It's amazing some of the circumstances that God's people, his chosen people, uh, got themselves into. Like a yo-yo. I mean, amazing. You read the Old Testament and you see, okay, you are Jehovah, you are God. How wonderful you are. And before you know it, they're being disobedient. But straight on disobedience never really took place without first the realization of compromise. You see, before you just head strong, say, okay, God, I'm not going to do what you say. Here's what human nature does. Human nature begins to give a little bit more and a little bit more uh, their will and their carnality over to the wilds of culture and expects God to say, okay, um, you know, I still love you and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get to the place that guess what? Uh, God, if you were to say, I don't mean this literally because God never loses, uh, God, God loses the desire that the people, the culture, the favorite nation, the chosen nation, after a while, it got to the place that it's just like we are disobedient. And that's a subtle thing that happens uh, far too often in the lives of individuals. I guess the core, if you were to answer this question, when is the time, and maybe it's now, I hope, that you were most enthused and excited and motivated about Jesus Christ? I mean, when was that time that you just were overflowing with uh, the radiance of God's love and then the encumbrance of culture, the encumbrance of problems had not been allowed uh, to weight you down because quite frankly, you soared so high in places that the enemy has never been able to, to get to. And we know, and God says, that's what I want to see. The closest place to God we know is when we're on our knees. Someone wrote, and I share it with you, Lewis Smeads made this statement. He said, we ordinary people, how many ordinary people we have in the house tonight? That's good. We ordinary people cannot fit our lives into a preformed styrofoam box. Are you like me that if you buy something and it's in one of those boxes and it's got styrofoam or several pieces of styrofoam, if you're like me, probably nine out of ten times I cannot get it back in that box. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And finally, I just settle, and I said, no, you're going back in that box. I mean, the box bows out a little bit, and i got to take masking tape to pull the top together so that it fits. And somebody packed it so it fit right. She, this is what he says. You, you can't get ordinary people in that little styrofoam box. He said, we cannot manage as well as we would like in our lives, at least not in our secret places. In our public places, that's good to be seen, but in our secret places, he said, that's where we have a lot of problems. Then he goes on and said, we cannot get all the strings tied. It won't wrap up the way that we want it to. We just can't seemingly get it together. And then this statement, the one that I took issue with, for us ordinary people, survival is often the biggest success story we dare. <laughs> King for hello. 
So is it battery? We're good? Promise? I'm good here. Okay. For us, survival is the biggest success that we dare hope for. I took issue with that. I thought, why should any, get this now, person that's washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, with all the promises that we have, with the bounty of good gifts that we have received, ever be able to dare say survival is just my best success story. I just don't think that we can fulfill the commission of God settling for just survival. How about you? Just survival. Uh, we know that Jesus did not just survive the cross. He overcame death. He overcame the dungeons of hell. And he overcame the tomb and conquered all. And when he left, he gave us the key and he said to us, this key right here is the key, not just to survival, but overwhelming success. And so I believe as I've studied that the desire of the church, when Jesus turned all authority over to the church, he didn't hand us a weak, anemic organization or organism. He left us a vibrant living organism that can be replenished by the power of the Holy Spirit. And how does, how does that happen? You see, the church, we don't need a, a, a religious. Someone asked me, the, are you religious? I said, nope. They looked, you shocked me. They knew I was. I said, I'm not religious. Well, well explain that to me. I said, I'm not religious. I believe in regeneration I believe in restoration power, and that is a relationship and not a religion. You see, that's a huge difference. Religion says, I just want to shake the preacher's hand. I want to fill out the card. I want to go to church and, and do just, you know, okay, I showed up and just pay my dues. They don't even call it tithe, and that's religion. Relationship says, I can't wait to get together with God's people. I can't wait to talk to Jesus every day. I can't wa wait to see what he has in store for me. I can't wait to get with fellow believers. I can't wait to serve. I can't wait to do something that I would expect him to say, well done. That's relationship. That's the power of relationship. Billy Graham says, there's something ominous in the air and my bones vibrate with the horror of it. We have in us the ability, the dynamic presence of God to overcome every worry, every challenge, every anxiety. The presence of the dynamic touch of the Holy Spirit is in us and it is, it is fired off by the power of prayer. The power of prayer. I talked a few minutes about prayer. He says that we pray and seek God's face. We will hear from heaven. How many caught that message? If we pray and see God's face, we will. We know you turn from your wicked way, etc. In our setting tonight, the prophet Zechariah is addressing the people of God. And here's what he's saying. You guys, God is ready for you to return. And you're going to return. And you're not going to return to what you did have. 
you're going to return to something that is far better. Listen, the kingdom of God does not stop growing when you absent yourself. The will of God does not stop growing when you absent yourself. The will of God and the kingdom of God continues to grow with or without you. And if you choose to sit on the sideline, when you come back, you're going to be a whole lot farther down the road because the will of God is not determined about you. It's determined by God's perfect plan and God's perfect place. It's bigger and unfamiliar territory that we never knew about. So Zechariah is addressing the people of God. They've been in exile in the Babylonian Empire, and now they've returned to Jerusalem, that focal point. And then after two years, the temple of worship is still in ruins. Think about it. And this one factor expresses the despair that they're experiencing, even though they've returned to Jerusalem, they've not been able to repair the temple that's still in ruins. And Zechariah offers them this, a prophetic word of encouragement, a prophetic word. In other words, it's something that will happen, and it reminds them that what is about to be revealed in his prophetic utterance is going to come to pass, and it's only going to come to pass through this instrument, through fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. So put a box on prayer and say, all right, how do I, I pray today, okay? I did, but he's talking and speaking in the, in the term here as it relates to the Hebrew, he's saying a dedicated time that is set aside that the single focus is upon God talking to him and listening to him. Why does that, why is that important? If the prophetic utterance is coming out of Zechariah, he said it comes through fasting and prayer. Let's, let's read about it. Zechariah 8, verse number 21, because it says that prayer creates an appetite for God. Not a drive-through prayer, not a walk-through prayer, not a tiptoe prayer, but prayer that really you know, I have been in prayer. He said, and the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going. And they respond in this prophetic utterance. They respond speedily to the times of prayer. Why? Because they knew in the past that prayer created an appetite for God. It created that moment of saying, I thirst and I hunger after you. Most of our day on a daily basis, would you give this consideration, uh, deals with the pressure of society. The pressure of society, meeting time demands, having to be at work at a particular time, having different things that today calls for, working for survival, managing relationships, raising children, working on personal goals. And you ask yourself, what is your appetite today? The premier appetite, what is it? It's not worship. Premier appetite is not service. The premier appetite that he's saying is an appetite for God, an appetite to wrap your arms around him, to know that when he wraps his arms around you, you feel like nothing else in the world matters. 
to wrap his arms around you causes you to have security. To wrap his arms around you brings healing into your body that death could stare you in the face, but knowing that his arms are around you, you're able to overcome and conquer anything. An appetite that is directly related to the spirituality of our heart. And the only way for the spirit man to be properly acknowledged, that man in us that's probably is to pray. Now, we all know that we pray. All of us pray. I'm just assuming that. But a special time of prayer that does more than just the routine, just prayer. I, I don't know how God would feel if I say that my prayer life is traveling on Interstate 4 trying to get to work. Somebody says, take what you can get. Don't say that to God. God can give you an opportunity to have a whole lot more time to pray in your life. But I don't know that that's fair to God. How do you feel about that? I don't know that that even dots the I or crosses the T. If we're expecting something out of the ordinary to become extraordinary. And we all have places in our life that we really do need a miracle of God to intervene in. This kind of prayer brings back the excitement into the heart of the individual. You see, this constant battle that we have, we'll talk about this Sunday morning. How do you fix? Here's Sunday morning. How do you fix you? What, what does it take for you in the areas of your own life that or maybe a little out of whack, unless you're, you're Miss Tutti Fruity Perfect. How do you fix that? There is a way in Scripture that we're going to reveal. We have that carnal battle that takes place. It says that it is only resolved through the power of prayer for God's will in our lives, God's mercy in our lives, God's direction in our lifestyle. And nothing is impossible to that individual who has that excitement in their spirit and in their heart and declares, God, I've never felt closer than I do right here and right now. Here's what he says. Until we pray, we are consumed with the meeting of the demands of the present here and now. When we fail to pray, and I mean fail to drill in prayer, here's what happens. Our appetite for God lessens. We drift. We begin to say, I've worked hard and I need some time. Let me just tell you something. You're in a dating relationship or he or she tells you, I just need some time. You can believe that. Because here's why. In the heart of one or the other person, there is something really radically going on that needs to be taken care of in that relationship. I just need time. How many understand that? God, I just need time. How do you think the king of the universe feels about you and me telling him we just need time? We just need time. We look at that and we find that when we pray, we create an appetite for God, which will sustain us in our moments of trial and temptation. And with the lack of prayer causing the absence of the appetite for God, the atmosphere is crowded by evil forces that are there. 
But 1 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul writes, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what's lacking in your faith. Paul's talking to those people, Thessalonica. I pray night and day that God will reveal what's lacking in your life. And your flesh will never encourage you to say, I need to pray more. More. But more prayer alone is not enough, is it? It takes that sincere prayer that God says, that's what I'm talking about. Here's something else. Zechariah 8.22 in his prophecy, he says, And many people and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty to entreat Him because it creates an atmosphere for the Spirit to move. You become saturated in your communication with God and the things that you see as mountains will be reduced to manageable circumstances that your faith and God's anointing can handle. Don't let anything become bigger than you and your intimate prayer time with God. God can reduce it down. You believe that? For years, the people of God have been praying for spiritual renewal. And they've been praying, and now this, they're in the city of Jerusalem, and God is beginning to answer their prayers. They are hungry for God, and when our appetite is hungry for God, an atmosphere of a new spiritual dimension exists. I begin to rise up, and I begin to believe. We all have individuals that we remember, at least at my stage and my age of life, that I remember individuals that I knew that, buddy, if you took them a prayer request, here's what you knew. They were going to drill down on prayer, and you knew God was going to move because they were not going to back off. They were not going to give up. They were not going to get restless. They were going to keep pounding the gates of heaven until God moved and brought peace in their heart. I mean, stayed with the program. We have some in our church that do that today, that deal with that. But the rest of us so often say, God, I, I'm, I, I love you. How do you know that you're hungry for the appetite of God when your desire for other things is less than your desire for God? When your desire for self-service is greater than your desire for service of God, you've got a prayer problem. That's where it's at. And notice that in our text, he says, when the people of God pray, other nations will desire to respond. Why? Because when people begin to see something that is out of the ordinary in the spiritual realm, they move toward that. James 5, 16, let us confess our sins with each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then he says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. What is the word righteous? It's kind of like which, is, which is, is the cart or the horse? A righteous man cannot get righteous unless he is praying, but he says the righteous man is powerful and effective because of his prayer. And when the atmosphere is filled with prayer, here's what happens. Conviction is stronger in the church and in the family, and the gifts of the Spirit function more easily, and spiritual hunger is ignited, and new vision is enhanced. And how wonderful is that? How wonderful is that? Let's pray. It stays the hand of the enemy against us. And so it's not another program. We got a lot on the campus tonight. I traveled through the campus just looking at 
different programs and people that are meeting, and they're excited. There, there's a cooking class over in the FLC, a bunch of Christians over there trying to learn how to cook. And I, I, walk, I walk through there. I said, what in the world are you fixing tonight? Oh, we have an Italian chef here tonight, and we're fixing chicken parmesan. I thought, I'm, I'm going to find a scripture for chicken parmesan. Do you know what I mean? But they get together for a time, a time of fellow. And there were more men, I think, in the class than women. I walked to the men's group. They're over there. You know what they had? Potato chips and water. I thought, how amazing is that? Here's something extremely important that our church is going to enact, and that is to be a greater church of prayer than we ever have been. Because we have some strongholds that need to come down and some powerful decisions that need to be made that we say, God, it will come through the power of fasting and prayer. When we are prayed up, you can have your own praise team without any music. Amen? Without any music. In the presence of Almighty God. The latest estimates that I discovered with 370,000 churches ministering to 144 million adults in America, there's currently one church for every 43 people in our country. And we are closing churches around America every single week. Why is that? Do we think that the president in the office now is the answer? Not at all. Do we think our government? Not at all. We think our programs? Zechariah is saying to this church who's coming out of exile, your key to not going back is get in that temple and pray. And believe that God will sustain you. Finally, finally, prayer pierces barriers. Zechariah 8.23, this is what the Lord Almighty says in those days. Ten men from all languages and nations will take a firm hold on, uh, of one Jew by the hem of his robe and say, Let us go with you because we have heard that God is with you. I've shared this story before, but I want to share it again. Lord brought it to my mind. In my very first church, you know, Bradenton, Florida, with the seven people. And finally, after about a month, we got a couple that came in that had an adopted child, a son, who's now a, a captain of, of a ship, actually. And it was a rainy Saturday night, and I am I'm 20, 21 years of age. And I'm just getting in the ministry. I haven't had my first water baptismal yet. I haven't performed my first wedding yet. I haven't performed a communion service yet. I haven't done any of that. But I'm endeavoring to obey the will of God. They call me pastor, and every time they did initially, I turned to look to see if there was somebody, you know, they were talking to. But that couple called, 
They had tried to have a child for a number of years. He was a sergeant in the Bradenton Police Department. And his dad was a minister from England. And they called and said, Pastor, our child, after not having children for all those years, this baby was a promise from God. It was their Isaac. He's running a fever that will not break. We, would, we want you to come now and pray over our baby. I thought, okay, you know. So I got me some oil, that's what the Bible says, and I went over there. And the minute I got there, they took that baby and shoved that baby in my arms. Now, I don't mind telling you, I'm thinking about, who, who do you think I am? You know? You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I hadn't even done my first wedding. And so I, I sat down on the sofa with that baby burning up. No sweat, just high fever. And I took the oil and I put that oil on that baby's forehead. And I prayed the best prayer I knew how to pray. And it was real simple. I didn't pull out, you know, my prayer manual that you get as a minister's service manual. And say, okay, proceed here. Prayer for children running with fevers here. What does it say? Page 139. Okay. Our Heavenly Father, this thou gift from above. I anointed with oil and I prayed the prayer. And God's favor came. And that fever broke on that child and left. And they were at church with that baby the next Sunday morning, rejoicing that God had broken the fever over their baby. What I'm trying to suggest to you, in the routine of life, we sometimes forget that those moments can still happen today. I, I was scared to death. I thought, why me, God? I thought, this is a big deal. I thought all kind of things. But God honored his word. If I wrap up, may I encourage you, believe God for those moments again. But it won't come by, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive over there. It's raining. I'll pull under the carport, bring the baby out, and uh, I'll, I'll put a little oil on the baby. Now, that was their life, that baby. And God honored it. The church today has a potential. Our families are couples our individuals, and you as a single individual, you have the ability, you have the ability to pray to believe God for something that is unbelievable. And if you're facing circumstances, dig in prayer. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I mentioned it. Ten men, all languages are going to take 
one Jew by the hem of the garment. Why? Because here's why. The result of prayer created an atmosphere for the Spirit to move and barriers were penetrated. We would call them Gentiles in the New Testament, but these individuals that were not of the chosen nation were individuals that they saw. They knew of Jehovah, and when they saw what was happening in the lives of God's chosen people, here's what they did. People from all nations. They didn't say, who qualifies? They all came and said, if we can just touch the hem of one garment of one Jew, we believe because we have been persuaded by what we see that God is with them. Isn't it wonderful and how important it is for us to be able to say God is with us and God is pleased with us and God is anointing us and God has redeemed us by his grace and his power. Even the Gentiles began to follow after God and the spiritual barriers come and they are great, but there is absolutely nothing that we are aware of in our finite minds tonight that is greater than God being able to deliver because we call upon his name. There is no spouse that's so unsaved, but what they cannot get saved. There is no circumstance that is so difficult, but what God cannot deliver. And let me tell you something, friend. There is no financial challenge that is greater than God's ability to be able to move in that situation and move lives around. And there is nothing, people, families, I know, and I'm thinking of one person now, constant sickness in their family, constant sickness. I can tell you God can break that sickness in that household and bring deliverance by his favor. Amen. We don't have to take that or the inability to conquer a habit. God can cause you to break every habit and the relationships that you know, godly relationships can be restored by the grace of God through the power of prayer. He said, you watch what will happen in his prophecy. Too often, as I mentioned, we pray on the run, and when we hunger for God in our hearts or thirsty for the Spirit, the barriers will be pierced. Challenges will be overcome. It will you see, if you say, as he says, Zechariah, I'm going to pray until I thirst for God. Until I thirst for God. Until the atmosphere is charged with his power. Until the barriers begin to be pierced. I'll not retreat. I intend to continue to pound heaven and will not retreat. It's Solomon who went into the temple and there were challenges that the temple is built and he's ready to dedicate it. He's done all of that. The people are outside. They're not allowed to come in. Solomon prayed, and here's what it says, that fire flashed down from heaven and burned all the massive amount of sacrifices. And it says, and it consumed that entire altar. And then this is the part that I like. And the Lord filled the temple. Now notice this. And the priest could not enter because of the powerful presence. And the people fell down on the pavement because of what they witnessed. In 2017, that is still possible. 
So I want to encourage you, take this message home with you. Expand a little bit more in the prayer life. Set you down a time in a war room, so to speak. Set you down a time in that place and say, God, these are the things that I have that I'm believing by the power of your Holy Spirit. And then don't let them all be about you. Amen. Believe God for other people's needs. And watch, watch. If God said that's how it's done, and we do it, I believe, if he says that's how it's done, and we do it that way, it works. Amen? It works. So you think about that. Pray about it. Would you stand? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for your touch and the whisper of your word. Thank you for the intervention of the Holy Spirit. Thank you because there are needs in this room that are critical at the moment. Need for wisdom, need for guidance, a need of confirmation, a need for hesitation, a need God to overcome temptation, a need in this room for divine direction. God, it's amazing that John the Apostle was content on an island, the Isle of Patmos, and there was no one else there, but somehow or another, your holy presence enabled him to be sustained on that deserted desert-like island with the winds blowing and howling. You were there. In the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit, someone in this room, and that old song that we used to sing, peace, peace, wonderful peace, they need that kind of peace tonight. They need that kind of anointing that brings peace, that passes all understanding. It may not cause the winds and the waves to subside, in their place and in their heart at the moment, but they can have peace in the midst of the storm as we pray. God, there, there's some here tonight that are anxious that we don't want to get ahead of, God. We want to have the patience to believe that we move at your pace, God. We move within your time frame. We move in your will that we trust you. There are those, oh God, who've lost family members just in the last month. As I met with a couple yesterday, God, who is one day is a real challenge. One day, every day is just maybe a little better. And then the enemy will come with a right hand punch and push them back. But they're holding on to the unchanging hand of God. And God, that's a family out of our church, so that's our problem too. I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would give us a sensitive heart. I pray, Lord, that we'll look at today, we'll look at last week, we'll look at this coming week and ask ourselves, are we full bore? Are we giving everything that we have? We're doing all that we can do for this life is going to end and the only thing that's going to matter 
It's what we do for you. And if we have the privileges to serve, oh, Lord Jesus, help us go head deep without fear or reservation. Let us pray serenely, not my will, but thy will be done. Let us pray with enthusiasm, God. I love my neighbor as I love myself. And I will not harbor anything in my life that will create a barrier between my relationship with Jesus Christ. I will not accept anything in my life that hinders my love for you, Jesus. Help me by your spirit. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're in this room right now. Or those of you listening online in some means of communication. Maybe you pulled it up a few days after today in archives. But here's what I know. The presence of the Holy Spirit is as real right now as it will be several days from now. It's as real in this church as it is in that living room or that office or wherever that person is looking online. Holy Spirit of God, breathe on them. Breathe on us. And for those that are hearing right now, God, I pray first a spirit of humility will fall on all of us. I pray that we'll just open our arms and our minds and say, God, that's for me. I'm hearing you. That's for me. And not try to bargain, but that's for me. That's mine. I claim that message. It's mine. It's my food. It's my word. And now, God, direct my path. Let me rise above my circumstance. Let me walk my faith over the water of my life. And help me not to sink because I look down. But help me keep my eyes on you. And if you're in this room right now and you're saying, God, I sure need a touch from you. I sure need you to just kind of lift me up and buoy me up. And I'm admitting right now, I need that special touch right now. I need it, and nothing is going to stop me from my response. I'm responding in faith right now. Would you please just slip your hand up right now, right where you are. I'm responding in faith by the grace of God. I am responding in faith by the grace of God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Say it with me, in Jesus' name. Say it again, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we open our hearts and we believe together that you're an awesome God and you are here in this room. So now let healing begin to flow. Let revelation truth begin to impact our minds and our spirit. Let conviction hit our conscience. God, in your holy name, the name above every name, let the Acts 2 experience flood over the souls of some who need that experience right now. We claim that promise. If you raised your hand, you raised your hand and you feel, boy, I just got to get, I want to, there goes, a, it says they, if we can just get to a Jew and touch the hem of the garment, 10 men said, we believe they, God is with them. Here's what I do know, that we don't need 10 Jews, we got one, hallelujah. His name is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, and he is passing by right here, right now, and if you need to respond into this altar, if you need, if you're looking on 
online. You just simply need to put your hand out toward that screen and just claim that in the name of Jesus. God will do it. So as we worship, we'll wait a few moments on you, and then we'll move forward here in just a moment. We'll wait on you, my friend.